world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, folks, welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, which is brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. And uh, this episode is made possible by our friends over at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, HPE. Now, uh, you've heard me say before that we love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. So please, if you like having us uh, in existence, then show our sponsors some love and see what they have to offer. In the case of HPE, in particular, what's really hot over there right now, and you've heard me say before that they're uh, they are friends of the oil and gas industry and, and they, they do things to try to help us. And uh, what's... Uh, and and the big you know what all the noise about at HPE right now is is this uh, thing they got called Green Lake Green HPE Green Lake Edge to Cloud platform um, and I know you hear a lot about Edge now and you hear a lot about cloud. Um, and uh, the reason why you hear a lot about it is because it's all important. So uh, the cool thing about GreenLake is that it's uh, – what, what is it they say about it? Oh, yeah, they, they call it the cloud that comes to you. So wherever your apps and data are living, uh, cloud computing made possible by GreenLake, all one nice uniform platform. Uh, I simply put – uh, GreenLake delivers the cloud experience across all of your edges, co-locations, and data centers. So have a look at hpe.com, uh, and you, you won't have to look hard to find the information about GreenLake there. All right. Now, today's show, we have uh, something like a repeat guest, although his first appearance was on the other podcast uh, that I host, the Oil & Gas Tech Show. He was uh, he was on that show a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, and we were, we were talking about the latest innovations and capabilities in the world of walking robots, uh, which is absolutely fascinating. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, then you should go, uh, I think it's just a couple of episodes back uh, and you can, you can hear us talking about that. Now, today he's coming back to oil and gas digital doers to, um, because uh, so we want to talk about, great, we have robots now. What, what are people doing with them? What's the value? How, because, of course, this is the show where we talk about how people are getting digital done. So how are they getting digital done in the real world, in, in industry, with these walking robots? And uh, it turns out that uh, they are doing exactly that. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the OGGN Spotlight, Peter Funkhauser. And that gets us back. Uh, we're, well, we're back. We're back here with uh, Peter Funkhauser. I said it right, right? Did I? I'm trying to remember. Is that Perfectly right? fine. Peter Funkhauser. So, uh, so some of you faithful listeners of the Oil and Gas Tech Show um, may, may have uh, surely, surely you remember just a couple episodes back on Oil and Gas Tech, we did uh, we, we did one with uh, with Peter, and he uh, we talked about his his robot company. Um, well, it's it's a company that. It makes robots, not a 
not a company that is a robot. And and uh, and and we we decided to do a two part series. So so on the tech show. So if you missed the tech show episode, you go back and you can listen to all of the all of the really interesting story that went into the innovation and and uh, and kind of how he how how these how these robots came to life, so to speak. And uh, and and today uh, on on digital doers, we want to hear a little bit about the story because it's fun to have robots walking around. You know, I mean, who doesn't want to have walk robots just walking around? But the idea is that we're supposed to be like getting something from the value, right? And uh, so, Peter, you got some good stories to tell, and maybe some guidance, right, about how people can have success with these kind of things. So, um, so welcome back. Thanks for uh, making time. Thanks a lot for having me, Michael. Pleasure to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's uh, always. Oh, and you are. Uh, I should mention that we're in the uh, the remote configuration today because you were. You're beaming in from Zurich, uh, where where we've already done the weather comparison, and we have determined that the weather for both of us is better than it was the last time we talked. Definitely. So we can so we we can move on <laughs> past that. So for um so so Peter for, for for you know for those one or two people who may have missed the uh, the episode on the other show, I, I know it's I know it's a slim possibility, but there might be somebody that didn't listen to that. So um, just a little bit about I, I know that you you started this. Uh, uh, you started antibiotics uh, about five years ago. You were a founder with somebody else, and but but you were but you kind of have a whole history of how you got into robots and things. And I remember it's an interesting story. I just don't remember the details. So 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 share share a little bit about about that. How you how you got into into this? Yes. So you know, as master students and following up with a PhD, our team was always driven by curiosity what we could do. And one of the, the goals that we had is to take the robots out of the lab that we would typically work and get them outside in the real world to do useful things. Yeah. That was yeah. the main driver. And so we did that for quite a while in the lab, building these robots, giving them legs to be able to move where typically only people move. We added autonomy so they could do things themselves. And then very soon also we're contacted by companies that had you know, actual problems saying, you know, we're looking for robots that can navigate our sites. Current technology does not work. The fixed installed sensors get us only that far that don't scale. So that really gave us the, uh, the encouragement to pursue this challenge and found Anybotics in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, and I think I remember, um, well, we, well, we talked a little bit about, uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of, maybe... I, th I think you and I talked about this, but I have so many conversations. Sometimes I forget. But but there's not a whole lot of people actually like manufacturing robots in the world, right? Is is there only it, didn't did we talk about that? How like there's lots of people integrating them and doing stuff with them, but mm -hmm. in terms of actually like building robots, like, there's not a whole a whole bunch of you, is there? No, especially if you look at this. I would rather call it, call it modern robot robots, right? Not classic right. arms that you know, do pick and place. There, that that's an existing industry with many you know manufacturers. These modern types of robots, these have only established in the last couple of years, and we're just seeing, you know, first integrations. So this has not been mass adopted yet. So there's also only few players, and fact is, these systems are complex to build, to 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 get the development right, so that you can pull it off. So there's only a few companies that have the experience to be able to do yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, and, and we are, and so just for uh, for context, we are because you mentioned the. The, the like the robotic arms that that do you know uh, moving things around or they do uh, construction and assembly but but here we're talking about the kind of, like like the walking you know around uh, um, I mean just a little like what kinds of what kinds of things are, are your robots doing 
Yeah, so, you know, in, 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 you know, we focus on industrial work. And, you know, in industrial operations, you can imagine these are tough jobs to keep everything running safely and smoothly. Uh, as you can imagine, there's you know, a lot of routine tasks in maintenance and mm -hmm. inspection, gathering data, making sure to uncover any risks quite early. So our vision is to help these operators with a workforce of autonomous robots, essentially. Our vision is that they will be able to hire, integrate robots within their team, and the robots will take over then some of the tedious routine tasks yeah, in remote yeah. places and in dangerous places where people actually shouldn't be. And thereby, it's really you know, helping in safety and also productivity with these tools. Yeah, and, and these are the kind that you know can walk around, and, and, and they, they you mentioned autonomous. I think the last time we talked, you said, um, like they have kind of like a docking station, right? And they have some sort of a some sort of a uh, a distance that they can that they can operate within, and and whatever the terrain or the you know mm -hmm. up the stairs or what have you, right? Exactly. So yeah. we're looking at the system that's easy to scale, right? So you want to have one system installed. It has a docking station. It's fully autonomous. So essentially, what you do in the beginning is you take it once around the site. You teach it what to do. You can also use a digital model to do that, but if this is not existing, you, you'll just take it around. Mm -hmm. The robot will create that digital model. It will remember everything, right? It will create the yeah. map. It has a mission list. It can navigate that. And because of the legs, the robot will just you know, be able to move in environments that are built for people. In facilities, there's a lot of steps and stairs. And with, you know, with the legs, that really allows us to operate these robots without any changes needed to the yeah. facility. Yeah, it's cool. Um it's. I think we talked too about how uh, it, it almost isn't when we sit and we listen. You know, we've been so as a culture, we've seen this sort of thing in TV and movies for so long that we almost kind of like don't really appreciate. Like, of course, of course, there are robots walking around. We know that, right? But but you mentioned that when when you see it, uh, and, and we don't have any way. <laughs> We don't have any way of teleporting people uh, through a podcast, but if they're like in the room with you watching the robot do its thing, then that's when people are really in awe, right? That's when it kind of comes to... Yeah, we say, you know, seeing is believing. Um, we, I think we've been spoiled by YouTube and we believe or often don't believe we think it's fake, right? But once you really see yeah, the yeah, magic yeah. of a robot actually moving by himself and doing things that, you know, you're not used to see a robot do, um, yeah, I think that's quite yeah. magical. Are you suggesting that everything I see on YouTube isn't really happening? I, you just, it's I you, hard to you say. You just shattered right? my world. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry I for that. I don't, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> okay, so so that's the background. Um, and, of course, we talked about a lot of uh, uh, that in more detail in the uh, um in, uh, in the last show, and also uh, you could mention that I think that you, you have a some some something of a launch coming up here very soon, right? So so th these things are out there, and you've been working with them, but you have kind of a special uh, a special event coming up uh, later mm -hmm. this month, right? What, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what is that? Because I don't remember. I don't remember. You know, we're <laughs> you know what we, we have you know quite a while ago decided that or experienced that in the oil and gas and chemicals industries. Those are, you know, challenging industries because it makes it very special because you have atmospheres that could, you know, contain hazardous or potentially explosive gases. So we decided uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, we yeah, wanted to yeah. tackle that, right? So we're launching right. the world's first EX-proof uh, legged robot. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. I remember. Um, so explosion-proof means that it it's 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 uh, certified to not cause an explosion, right? Not, not whatever you introduce into these environments, right, must be safe. Um, right. And that's a strict 
you know, certification and bring a robot with a lot of motors and, and you know, sensors and, and batteries into these environments is, is quite tough. If you look at yeah. today's, you know, there's, there's robots around that are certified for these environments, but they tend to be bulky, slow, and they don't have the capability to really navigate these sites. So yeah, it, it's yeah. really a, a engineering challenge that went into this and we're, yeah, very excited yeah. to launch later this month. Yeah, there's some cool stuff we talked about that in the, in the other episode. Okay, because um, when I when you first said explosion-proof robots, I thought, well, surely you're building robots that don't explode, right? I mean, that's that would be. I would assume that that's the case. So, but then I but then I learned it's not that it's not so much that there's a concern that the robot is just going to suddenly explode, but it's that the robot being in this environment causes explosions. Exactly. Um, so they must be inherently safe to be operated in the yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. So, uh, so moving along. Um, you got uh, you have a great story, uh, which I'm so excited that you're actually allowed to talk about this because so many times people when they do work with operators, you know they, well I'm really not allowed to talk about it because you know how the industry is. But you, but you're working with Petronas and and uh, and it's a big deal, right? So what's going on there? Yeah, so Petronas very early on uh, decided they wanna they saw the potential and wanted to grow into robotics and uh, formed a partnership with us to develop this NMLX, this explosion-proof robots. And that's an exciting story because it's Petronas as a very big, large company. They brought in really expertise from the oil and gas perspective, and they collaborated with us, which is rather a small company, but we brought in the robotics perspective. And the reason was really, you know, for us was a, a fantastic journey with Petronas because it's really developing for somebody who has a big vision. They have hundreds of offshore sites they want to deploy these systems. And for Petronas, the reason was that we could grow together. Robotics is a new topic for Petronas. And they mm -hmm. understood when growing, coming, you know, working with a small company, it's the two teams growing, understanding, and really understanding on how to build and adopt these technologies. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's characteristic of them to be that way. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, there, I, I I've worked with them in the past, even just a few years ago, and and their leadership is very um, geared toward innovation. Uh, I, not, not to say that everybody else is, isn't, because there's lots of innovation happening in the in the industry right now. Um, but but they're um, they I found them to be uh, like like extremely open to like trying new things. Doing they they put a lot of um, I think the average age of, of, of their executives and their people in leadership is, is probably relatively young compared to some of mm -hmm. uh, some other companies. Yep. They have a lot of like fresh thinking and things like that. So it seems like the perfect the perfect people for you for what what you're doing for you to uh, to work with on those things. And yes, so and it's it, yeah yeah yeah. No, go ahead yeah. That was a fantastic fit and also what we realized, right? We did not want to build a robot just for Petronas, but they, from the very beginning, it was clear we're innovating or something for the entire industry. Right. So we will be, you know, uh, using these robots other with other partners and Petronas, that was always the intention. They don't want to keep this robotics technology for themselves, but it was always about advancing the oil and gas industry in terms of the safety and performance. So I think that's so quite, you know, super visionary on how Petronas is operating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't try to negotiate you into some sort of a contract where you ultimately can't really do it for anybody else except, except no. for them. Not that it, that has happened anywhere in the industry that I've ever seen, but... <laughs> but I, I've, I, I know of other stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've, I've, been the, I've been the recipient of those stories. Um, okay, excellent. So what, so what are you... 
So what are you doing? So you got you got some walking robots, and uh, and you're taking aim at uh, some things with Petronas. Um, I think we sort of like you've already commented on the kinds of things that that you're doing. So uh, I assume it's the same kind of stuff, right? The 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 tasks in the places where you don't really want to send people, and they're very uh, uh, sort of labor intensive and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the have have you been at it long enough for them to start to see the business impact? Not yet, for the reason that we're you know it took us now this time to actually last year launch the non X uh, version of the robot that's certified right, right. for autonomous operation, and it's this year that we're launching the oh okay yeah, 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 yeah. robot. Okay. However, okay, so, we had of course so scratch that know, question from the record. <laughs> we'll go back up. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> now, of course, we had many you know. T- test deployments and and you know just for the fact you know we know that oil and gas and chemicals is typically you know seven times more hazardous in terms of accident numbers compared to other industries and a lot of that you know errors and the accidents happen due to human error um, that's the largest contributor up to 70 percent so it's very clear once we start you know taking over some of the tasks that people not good at meaning you know looking every time on, you know, at the same gauges, being very precise in writing down numbers or taking pictures. These are not tasks that humans are good at. Um, yeah, so these yeah. things can be really taken over by a robot. So the impact is on one side, certainly on reducing the you know, exposure of people by having less people needed out on facilities, on remote settings. And the second one is being more precise on the data, being quicker, having it more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So they've got so the folks at Petronas have got some sort of a of a, like a set of expectations that says you know today our business looks mm-hmm. like this this and this and after some period of time mm-hmm. uh, hopefully not too long uh, it's going to look different so mm-hmm. what what's their what is their horizon like like how how soon are they expecting this to uh, start to really have an impact in in their operations yeah. I don't want to speak for Petronas, right? But in general, oh, yeah, what we're seeing is, <laughs> sure. is, is um, you know, every, you know, logistics is a very big problem, right? Every yeah. flight that you take out or boat transfer, these sums are go very quickly for one transfer in tens of thousands of dollars. So right. the trend what we're seeing also, not only Petronas, but with other companies, is to turn the facilities into normally unmanned operations. Um, so meaning that saving even a few trips a year where you don't need to send somebody out, but you have you know your eyes and ears on site because of a robot. That's immediate impact on the cost that you can really calculate the ROI for. Yeah, yeah. So and 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 right. Of course, you can't. Um, uh, the, the, where I'm going with that is one of the challenges with digital transformation uh, across the industry is as we've been sort of working at it for the last four or five, uh, six years, whatever it's been. Um, uh, let's see, 2017 to now, that's five years, um, which is when I think, you know, people really started to say, to, to take the concept of, uh, not, not that we weren't doing lots of things with digital and computers for, for, for many, many years, but, but somewhere in the last five years is when people kind of, a lot of companies started to, to double down on some of these, you know, most recent digital initiatives that we see in those ambitions. And so the thing is, uh, so it's one thing, 
and I say this all the time, but but it's one thing for these things to get done, um, you know, really cool innovations, and they happen like in some sort of a contained space, like 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 what I say in the lab, right, in the POC, in the pilot. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you know, people running the business, would they would they try to get their head around is okay, but but how? But if I invest in this now, when do I actually see? Um, the the value from it or the impact in the business because another thing that's happened in oil and gas is nobody has the the tolerance anymore for like long you know two three four five year projects um, now people coming from under other industries might say well of course not but in fact there was a time when two three four five year mm-hmm. projects were perfectly acceptable and they're not anymore and so people um, so when you're working with your customers uh, like what's the like what's the what's kind of the path of okay fine we've got these robots uh, you saw them at the show right you came to OTC you saw them they come in red yellow and blue and uh, and you and and they can be yours for the low low price of whatever but now what's the path of how do I how do I get from um, from saying yes we want to do that to uh, actually having it make a difference uh, in my business and what does that like what does that trajectory look like. Mm-hmm. That's a big. That's you a know, big question. So, <laughs> no, no, that's so, great, and it's a super important topic that we yeah. have been evolving for the last couple of years. How do we engage? What you know, what's really required, and what we number one, what turns out is that companies are not looking for robot to buy they're really looking for you know a solution to the problem so right, that's why right. we went in and really you know positioned antibiotics as a end-to-end inspection solution so instead of saying i buy a robot and a sensor and i'll have to put it together myself and program it that's far too complex nobody wants yeah. to do that so with us what we're doing is companies that will you know it starts with on-site trials we'll show them again you know seeing is believing once it works on site and they can bring in the operations people and the people understand the real value and can see the robustness of the system then really the project starts and then it's often that they you know take the innovation team and and buy one unit um, they you know do certain trials on different sites. Essentially, it's also an internal roadshow where they create awareness for the solutions, start mm-hmm. integrating mm-hmm. it, and a lot goes into standard operating procedures. You know, cybersecurity, safety. How do you know what are the, the the changes needed to be done in terms of also the processes and thinking? And there we're collaborating with these companies on a step by step basis. We start small with one installation, a pilot installation, and really take it from there. So starting simple, get the safety and everything right, get all the stakeholders bought in, seeing the value, and then scale from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what's nice, I mean, sorry, another thought no, you no. had before, right? It does not take, you know years to have really the impact because already you can start small with a robot. You can take one robot on one site and start collecting data there automatically and reducing the transport to that site. And then it's about, you know, equipping the same learnings to different sites. Yeah. But it does well, not require you to have everything digitalized until you see the impact. Yeah, yeah. So the, right. And I was actually thinking about when, uh, just a second ago, you, you know, does it, I mean, there's, everybody's environment is different and everybody's business is different and everything, but really there's a lot of similarities, you know, as you move around the industry. Um, Certainly if you're saying, you know, if you're saying uh, upstream, offshore, there's a lot of similarities. If you're saying, um, you know, upstream, you know, shale plays, similarities in how people do things. If you're talking about refining, um, you know, or chemicals, a lot of, so as you, um, as you do it in one place, um, 
I assume that uh, you still have to take into account everybody's specific environmental factors and requirements and things like that. But it, there, there has to be some sort of like it gets easier as you go, right? Does it? Does it? Does does this thing kind of pick up speed as you as you as you do it all around the industry? Absolutely. I mean, everybody is learning and sharing on how to do these things. Uh, what's interesting is that the robot, by nature, through its design, you know, using legs and being fully autonomous without any equipment, the, install the physical installation process is quite quick and independent if you're offshore or onshore. If you're in right. a chemical facility or a nuclear facility, you know, the stairs, the, the infrastructure is always very similar. So that goes very quickly, mm -hmm. that scale as well. I think, you know, there's some underlying mechanisms that help you in accelerating. And that's, for example, the integration of the data into your asset management software or digital twin software. Mm -hmm. You do that once you establish the APIs and interfaces and then adding more robots. You know, the first step is more difficult, it takes a while, but then yeah. adding more robots becomes very simple. Hence, you can really accelerate the process. So, right, so, so all the robots are gonna use the same interfaces basically to all of your, all of your data systems, right? They're, like you don't have to you don't have to integrate each one individually. They all is, No, that's that, correct. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have standard, you know, the standard APIs and companies hook up to those and, and it depends on what they have on the other side. Might be less work. We have some partners already, for example, Cognite, right? Where mm, we right, have right, established yeah, we setups that. and others. And if you have if companies have their proprietary setup, then we will help them to integrate the system with their uh, programs. Yeah. Okay, so let so let's talk about that for a second. Um yeah, because always, always with these kinds of things, any any type of automation efforts, um, you know, uh, th there's always kind of two parts. There's the first part, which is, okay, we automated the thing, and now it's safer and it's cleaner and it's more reliable and et cetera, et cetera, right? And and there's some amount of data that's required to do that. Um, um, and then there's the next, you know, the next part. Uh, which is uh, like the, like the second movement in the symphony, which is where we say, "Hey, you know, we got we got all this data now. We have it at a higher resolution. Uh, we can like, what else can we do with this?" Uh, and you mentioned the digital twins and things, but the, like the focus shifts to away from just the fundamental automation to okay, well, what else can we do, and how can we make our business smarter going forward? So, how does that? Um, so, as you're working with uh, with with various you know customers, and you're kind of in Visioning, like when you get beyond the automation, uh, what kinds of goodness you know are 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 beyond that? Now that you've got twenty seven robots that all can use the same interface and interact with all these data models, mm -hmm. there has to so, be some. You got, I know, yeah. you, I know, you. There's some like, like there's a there's got to be a gleam in somebody's eye when you start thinking, huh? What else can mm -hmm. we do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what we're observing. So as any botics, we're not doing you know, the data fusion and getting all the sensors in it. We're not doing predictive maintenance and topics like that. Sure, However, sure. you know, there's a lot of, you know, companies that do that. And what we're seeing is the lack of high quality data is one of the main problems, right? If you have a perfect system, you still need, and you don't want to have you know, just a person taking a photo. So what we observe is that robotics is ideal to take that data because the robot will, you know, for, for 
days and months always from the perfect same angle and perspective look at the gauge. It would use the same camera. Um, so it's the reliability through the, the repeatability of the system, which is really mm -hmm, down mm -hmm. to millimeter accuracy. And the second one is that we can add now superhuman senses. A person can only see and hear and smell, right, or touch, mm -hmm. but that, that rarely happens. So typically we're relying on visual inspection. Now in a robot, we're adding thermal cameras, microphones. We can add specialized gas detection sensors, very sensitive ones. Yeah. Um, you know, all these tools we can equip the robot with and now have more data and, and also different, you know, methodologies and on, on how the data is perceived. Yeah, 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 right. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. You can, uh, it's true. You can, uh, um, I, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in, in this industry in particular, the where people have done things over many decades, um, based you know there's there's some amount of like science or engineering involved and then there's some amount of like i've been doing this for a long time and i know when it looks like that that this is what's going to happen right and uh which of course it now is becoming a huge uh problem with you know sort of transferring knowledge and skills and things to new generations of workers uh we thought you know we've been talking about this in the industry for a long time the the uh what is it called? Oh yeah, the crew change, the crew change, right? And uh, you got people retiring, and you got and and I, and and um, uh, so so now you're talking about uh, a robot that can do things the same, like you said, do these things the same way every time, but also has these uh, superhuman human powers and X-ray vision and things like that. Um, and uh, uh, so now uh, that expands the. I'm just thinking through this. That means that it's easier for me to uh, to sustain these operations in a safe, reliable way without necessarily having to have the person who's been doing it for the last forty years and knows that whenever the thing looks like a certain sort of way, that that's what's going to happen, right? Like, absolutely. does that that kind of solves that 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 problem? No, absolutely. There's a big demographic shift, right? This crew change, and um, you know, it has also been been very tangible through the last two years through Corona where, you know, companies yeah, realized yeah. they cannot just, you know, rely on a continuous stream of highly, you know, educated maintenance engineer. And typically these are not low skilled labor, but these are, you know, maintenance engineers that have to do these tasks. And as you said, there's a lot of brownfield operations where only a handful of people know how to run those. So being able to standardize also these procedures and in inspection and maintenance uh, and thereby, you know, the robotic tool really helps to standardize it. That's helping in that demographic shift the problem that you actually won't find these people and it will be very difficult to 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 replace the folks that go into re yeah. retirement yeah 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 that's uh yeah it, it's although although as soon as you start talking about that you get into the whole um you know uh and we talked about this a little bit last time but but it, you know now it starts to sound like um like robots taking over, you know, people's jobs. Um, but the fact is, is that in some of these cases, there is nobody to do these things, right? There, after, after the guy who did it for 40 years and knows that when it turns a certain color or something, like there's nobody after him to, uh, in some cases, who, who knows how to do that. Um, and, and then the, the other thing, of course, I think you, I think it was you that said this, right? Like, 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 uh, it was something. It was something to the effect of uh, getting rid of a job that's not safe. Is like nobody wants to have a job that uh, that isn't safe. Is dangerous, right? Yeah, it's it's really, you know, robots transform work 
So that there's no, it's, it, it, it changes. But the question is not, you know, is it replacing work, but is it actually, you know, changing the work for better? And as right. I mentioned, you know, right. certain jobs, they should not be done because, you know, they're too, too risky or in places or nasty. And while a robot will be able to take that over, um, other, you know, more value-added activities will be enabled. So there's more, you know, roboticists than required at these companies to, to, yeah, to manage yeah. their lead. And what robots, you know, don't do today the, the robots are a tool. You know, they're really good at, you know, in this case, in collecting data reliably. But they're not smart in the sense that they're understanding the context. They're not creative. They're not taking decisions. Um, so it's really, you know, the interplay on how these robots and humans and human workers will go together to enable, you know, a more yeah, human-friendly right, right. work in the end. Yeah, and you mentioned something else earlier, which was um, you were talking about. Um, the uh, installation or the onboarding um, is so. This is a, a, another consideration that I hadn't really thought about. But um, you know, uh, they don't. You, you, the, the robots don't. They can walk, but they don't just like walk in and start working. <laughs> and if they did to walk in and start work, I mean, most companies, all all companies have an onboarding process for you know, for human workers, right? People like you get hired by this company, even if you've been, even if you've been doing this job somewhere else, everybody, especially in this type of industry has uh, a whole set of procedures and processes by which somebody goes from, you know, their first day at work toward, you know, doing all the things that they, that, that they're supposed to do on a daily basis. And, and those processes are very well defined and, and hopefully they're followed very closely and all of that. So there's that whole sort of like, um, like 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 uh, process infrastructure that's well established everywhere you go. Now you bring in robots who are going to do some of these jobs, and there's none of that, right? There's none of there's nothing like none of that exists. <laughs> no, absolutely, and and yeah, and that's one of the big challenges. And right? presumably, it's needed, um, right? It's if it's if it's needed for humans, surely it's needed for robots. You need some sort of way of getting them from their first day on the job to what what they need to be, and and that's not. Yeah, I think yeah. robots onboarding robots will be easier probably than humans, right? Because it, it, the intelligence of a system and the know-how about the plant that can be replicated and shared amongst the fleet of robots, right? Yeah, so yeah. that makes it really powerful that you need, you know, in the beginning more, but then less and less onboarding of these systems. Yeah, but fact yeah. is, you know, that companies are not used to onboard robots yet. This will right. be a standard right. in a couple of years down. But today, there's a whole change management and understanding um, and the implications on safety and cybersecurity we talked about, right? Yeah. That has to be adopted by the companies. There's also some sort of uh, kind of re reorientation of the human workers who are working along, you know, in the proximity. I mean, um, well, you know, you think about it. Even when, even when you bring in new people, and this happens everywhere, right? You, you like you have a team of people. They're all used to working together, um, and now you're introducing either a new person, like like it might be a new person mm -hmm. in an existing role that was vacated. And there's some sort of there's always some sort of transition there that has to happen. Um, sometimes you're introducing a new role, like this role didn't exist before, but now we perceive that we need it, and you're bringing that into a team that already exists. And and it's not just the new person that has to learn how to like has to adjust. It's it's everybody else too, right? So 
uh, same thing, I guess, right? Except except now it's Absolutely. you have the additional complication that your new team members aren't really people. So 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 now yes. so if I'm a, if I'm if I'm one of those team members, like what? How does that? What what does my world look like? Like oh great, now they're bringing the robots in. I'm supposed to know what to do with this thing, right? How, how do you, how do how do how do you help people through that? Mm-hmm. Companies are you know in general what we observe very careful, right? So step number one is always to bring a lot of transparency with it, mm-hmm. uh, and we as a company always you know we we give demos, hands on etc. And and really show people what can the robot do, and very importantly what it cannot do. Right, then very quickly they can categorize it as a tool, understand. And we had cases where people were, were looked at the robot and said, hmm, so this robot's supposed to replace me. You know, within 30 mm-hmm. minutes after the demonstration, he was like, wait, does this mean now I don't need to run this routine multiple times a day? Or if there's an alarm, I don't need to run down, but can log into the robot. Within you know a couple of minutes, they were best friends and they took selfies together. So it, it's really <laughs> understanding, you know, what, what and telling the, the the yeah, being transparent what the robot does, uh, and it doesn't, and, and telling the stories and onboarding the people from the beginning. Yeah, but you, but but even yeah, and so you're right. So once you get past that that uh, like the cultural issue. Um, there is there's some amount of thought and planning that has to go into how is this new team going to work right it's it has to be it has to be thought through and designed just like any other process or or, or things like that they, the, the, and that's that's what i'm kind of sitting as you're talking i'm realizing okay yeah the robots don't just come in and start doing stuff if if a human if i was part of a team of people working in one of these industrial environments and and the new person that got hired just walked in and started doing stuff i'd be saying whoa hold on hold on just a second just a second right so i i uh um so that's a whole that's a whole part of and you mentioned an onboarding program i think before is that so is that is that the kind of stuff that you that you work absolutely through in an onboarding program yeah, yeah. sure right, right. companies i mean in the onboarding process for you know the first phases is about having one system up and running and learning from it we can take companies up to a certain level where you know we've integrated, it's safe, everybody has understood, the stakeholders all have understood it and, and really buy into the vision. Then to carry it forward, but it's, it's also kind of the companies have to do that, right? But then they have a great story. They use you know internal marketing stories, have an example and feedback from the people on how to do it right. So it's yeah. taking these, you know, learning to walk before you run, these baby steps in the beginning, adapting. And you're right, every company is different, their culture is different. So they have to also find their ways on before they can go really into scaling. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Inter- yeah, yeah. It's very, um, I mean, yeah, beyond the technology, there's, there is, and I hadn't even thought of that prior, but, but it's just like, it's just like bringing new people and new roles into an operation. Um, in order to, to integrate yeah. all that. And, and what's interesting, I, you know, maybe, maybe a story there, you know, now you're bringing this new, you know, team member. Now, you know, that begs the question, how, how you know, how do, what feelings, what emotions do you associate there with the robot? And that's something we very deliberately design into the system such that it's perceived, what we often hear is as a friendly robot helper, right? The reliable, friendly robot helper. So it's, it's helping me to do my job better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's about the colors you choose, about the forms. We have that little, you know, the, the little smile on the face of the robot. Not too much, but you can make these little subtleties <laughs> that, that right. help the robot perceive it as a friendly helper. And that, that's one very important aspect. 
So, okay, yeah. So there's kind of a whole like human design uh, thing that goes, you know, how, how is it? Absolutely. Um, I guess you don't paint them red, really, because, you know, red makes people angry. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> they are so that our robots are red, but that's we have heard only good feedback, and that's okay. More right. the red, you know, it's also visible, you, you know, it, it should be yeah. pop out. Yeah, that's yeah. one, and it, it's it's certainly a little bit, you know, for the Swiss quality behind it. So, the Swiss red flag, that's one of the oh, associations yeah, yeah. we yeah. want to have with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I have, I'm a long time uh owner of, of a number of different Swiss army knives, and they've never made me angry looking at them being red. So, I guess that, that was the old uh. That that was just the old thing is, uh, you know, uh, you know, don't don't make it red because red makes people angry. That was like the one thing that everybody always said. And, and don't, you know, especially if there's a bull in the arena. But, um, uh, but speaking of, by the way, of the Swiss Army knives. So, have they ever settled which one is the real Swiss Army knife? I, I, you know, the 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 Victorinox or the Wenger. Like, which one is the which one is the real Swiss Army knife? <laughs> I didn't even know that was a question. So it was always clear to me that it's Victorinox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, uh, and, and I think, um, and I think, I, did I hear that one, that they actually merged or are they st- still two different companies? I, 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 I honestly wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm been too busy sorry to, to disappoint here. Well, I'll, so I'll you, check up on that. I'll get back to you. Sorry to disappoint. So, <laughs> I know more about robots than Swiss Army knives. Yeah, it, that's clear. Um, so uh, if you were, so this probably is because you're, because, because you are there in Switzerland. So if you're over here in the US and you're being marketed to over, over the mm. last few decades uh, about these things, both companies were trying to like you know make the case that at least through their marketing that they were the original and uh it was it was very difficult to uh to try to to try to <laughs> to, to sort that out um all right so peter thanks uh um it's a great story um and i appreciate you coming back to kind of elaborate a little bit more on the on the business side of it uh and you got and so you're launching the the uh, the explosion proof. What what is what is the the industry term for that again? Uh, or or you the, just say X proof? X proof. So yeah. explosion proof exactly. So yeah, we're yeah. we're launching Animal X um, on March twenty second at the OTC Asia in Kuala yeah, Lumpur. Yeah. Excellent. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, and there's going to be people there, which is which is good also. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're showing it for the first time um, there, but also launch it, of course, digitally on our website and, and social media. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we'll put. Uh, we will put links to that in the show notes uh, to your website, and um, um, and I don't know. Are they going to have? Is there going to be any kind of like uh, ability to like any live stream or any of that in at OTC? Like for those of us who aren't going to to Malaysia, we'll, we'll, are we able to watch it? I, I I don't know about the OTC event itself, uh, but certainly we'll have no, I mean, our you know, page updated. Yeah. There's, there's we'll have you know a bunch of videos and and, and stories around yeah, Animal okay. X. But what's quite exciting, right? We're not only launching the, the robot itself, but we have already a handful of partners that already, you know, are committed to testing. So we can yeah. really also talk about these stories and have the industry speak for the impact that we're creating here. Yeah, excellent. And I think I think last time we talked, you mentioned that you you actually do remote demos. Is that right? Where you can mm-hmm. you can actually uh, yeah. explain that a little bit. Yeah. So if anybody is interested, right? So typically they reach out to us and very quickly. Step number one is talk to them, understand, is there, you know, really a problem we can solve? 
Um, and, and number two is to show them what the robot can do. So they log in through our system from remotely on the world and we have an entire you know, fake facility in-house, an industrial facility with stairs and gauges and things so they can experience the user interface. They see it live. They can interact as well as, you know, as, as, as it goes with remote setups but, and we have the team on site. So they feel like as if they were remote controlling a robot from onshore to offshore, for example. Yeah, yeah. And then they immediately book a plane ticket to to fly to, to Zurich so that they can see it in person. That's it. <laughs> Often we have you know we have yeah. partners that had, have yeah. never experienced a robot in real life, um, yeah. and, and and then getting their first unit chip to them. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Okay, very good. That's a good place to uh, wrap up. So good luck with the launch, and uh, 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 it's uh, it's it's exciting just to see people out there uh, doing stuff in real life again. So. So all, all around the world. So uh, there's 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 it's Sarah Week or it has been Sarah Week here in Houston and uh, um, and we were I mentioned earlier I haven't been able to get down there, but uh, I understand there's a lot of people there's a whole lot of people doing stuff down there so it's good to see all the activity mm-hmm. around the industry. So um, excellent, Peter. Thanks again for uh, making time. Good luck with the launch and uh, we, we'll uh, we'll put we'll put links in the show notes so that we can we can uh, see what you're doing once you're once you're out there. Fantastic. Highly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. Uh, all right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. All right, folks. There you have it. Peter Funkhauser and the dawn of explosion-proof robots. I guess I should say explosion-proof walking robots. And uh, have a look at the show notes uh, for this one because we got a link in there to, uh, I guess, kind of kind of a preview web page. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's a, it's a cool photo of this new uh, thing they call Animal. Any, animal? Animal? Any, I don't know. I don't know how they say it. But anyway, it's kind of like animal only with the any at the beginning. Uh, so thanks to Peter for, uh, for the double header, uh, well between the other show and this one. And, uh, it's great to see, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that they're doing. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today, folks. Uh, yeah, don't forget to check out, uh, you know, what's going on with OGGM. We've got the, uh, the new unscripted monthly live stream. Uh, next one's going to be, well, it's always, it's always going to be on the first Thursday of every month. So the next one's going to be whatever that day is in April. Uh, if you missed the, if you missed the first one, uh, you missed a lot of fun. So, uh, but, but lucky for you, you can still re- uh, watch it. Uh, look in our LinkedIn events. It's still there. You can find it on our YouTube channel. And, uh, and then that way, when the, uh, when the next episode comes out, you'll be all, you'll be all caught up. All also, uh, always, always lots of good podcasts at OGGN. Uh, we are the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for oil and energy. So if you like this one, there's probably another one that you're going to like. And uh, you just need to go to OGGN.com. You can learn all about them. And of course, you can listen on your favorite platform, uh, Apple or Spotify. But 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 the website's a nice place uh, to, to learn about which shows we have and what they cover. That's it for today. Many thanks to the OGGN team for all the hard work, most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And anytime you're feeling a little bit down in the dumps because we just we just need to make more progress. This, these digital ambitions that we have, uh, they're, they're mountains to climb and rivers to cross. Well, uh, be of good cheer because you can always come back here and hear real stories about how real people are getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.